touchdown is going to put this one into the win column and improve to 15 and 8. And 5 and 5 in the Big East. Providence to drop to 13 and 10, 3 and 7. Inside the conference, if you first have the first win here at Providence since February 18 of 2012. In the go van, it won't matter. He misses anyway. And Butler for the fourth straight season has come to Capital One Arena and defeated the Georgetown Hoyas. The last three years, they needed overtime to do it. Today, they do it in regulation 73-69. Well, the resilience and the leadership of Kamal Baldwin stepping up when his team needed it most. It's a big road win for Butler. Puts them in the five-win category, and now they're off to roll on the road at St. John's next. We almost had it, Dan. We almost had it. A perfect week? Life's never that easy. Especially with these Hoyas. It was crunch time. The biggest game of the year. The best crowd of the year. Came out flat. Couldn't come back. I mean, if that's just not as depressing of a loss as you've seen in your Georgetown crowd. I, I don't know what trumps that. Dude, I woke up this morning and I just took a look at the side of my hips and I saw all these stretch marks and I was so sore and I just said, shit, man, more growing pains. Growing pains. Part two. Rip. And with that, let's just get right to it. so nice to them when they came in. We let them establish a nice lead early on. We were like, here, let us hold your hand as you hit numerous outside shots from three. Even, I, I, I mean, it just blows my mind. How in the world can a team come out that flat in front of a jam-packed Capital One Arena? It's these weekend games, dude. I, I want to do a study on it at some point. But playing on a Saturday at noon, there's like no chance I would ever be able to get amped for that. I'm usually in bed still if I don't have these games to go to. Oh, see, I'm a morning person. If I had a Saturday game at noon, I'd be in bed by probably 10. <laughs> I'd wake up, get some yoga in in the morning, have some nice morning tea, get a couple of rounds hitting the heavy bag, listen to my motivational speeches. Just eye of the tiger on repeat. Yeah. Eye of the tiger. <laughs> And you do all that before you have to get to shoot around at 10 a.m.? Yes. Okay. Yes. There's a reason <laughs> I, I woke up at 3.30 every morning for work this past summer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It's another story. Yeah, um, but uh, welcome back, everyone. DC's Take 5. Back at it again. Here bringing you the most authentic coverage of Georgetown basketball here at Georgetown. Yeah. My name's Dan Baldwin here with Carter Owen. Carter... 
How are we tonight? I'm feeling flat, man, just like the Hoyas. I, it's a pretty late night. I got a big test on Wednesday, but I'm excited to be here and spew some, you know, relatively hot takes about the team. I mean, talk about what's been going on. Let's just start with Providence. Let's start with the good, and we'll move on to the bad. Okay. Okay. I, so, I prefer to do things. Yeah. <laughs> the, just delay the pain. So, the first half of the Providence game, it, it really got me going in a bunch of ways. So I didn't think we looked good. I didn't think we played good. I didn't think we looked ready. We looked entirely discombobulated on the offensive ends. And it took a late run for us to go up pretty big at halftime. And it was captive. It was... Uh, it was punctuated by a big-time trailing Jesse Govan three at the buzzer, but I think the real star of this game was not necessarily our two biggest freshmen in terms of brand recognition, but probably the third hardest-working freshman is Josh LeBlanc. Josh had 17 points on 5 of 8 shooting, 11 rebounds, 2 blocks, a steal, and he was just all over the court. And about 5 million putbacks. Yeah, I mean that's the interesting part about how well he played. He was so his timing and his proactivity on the offensive glass was nothing short of spectacular. Yeah, he really his athleticism was on full display here today. I think even in the Butler game, the commentary of it, some one of the commentators described him as the most athletic big in the Big East. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, that's, some, that's big praise right yeah. there. It might have been that or one of the most athletic things, but that's, that is high praise. It is, and I mean, it just really shows his versatility as a player because he also hit a three-point shot, and he could see that his free-throw shooting has been tremendously improved since that fateful game way back when against uh, at Butler. Yeah. <laughs> way in the beginning of the season, he was dreadful from the line, only... Two of nine, and you can see from then he's basically been spot on. Yeah, that's honestly looking at it now is really impressive. He's getting a lot of points from there too. He's getting the line pretty much every game, and that's what's really important for a big man who lives off of hustle, mm-hmm. because you're going to get fouled, especially if you're getting offensive rebounds down low, and you're going to be fighting for position both on the defensive end and on the offensive end because you're going to get opportunities to take free points at the line. And for Josh to have the ability to confidently go up to the line in a one-in-one situation and calmly put two away, that's an incredible advantage for your starting power forward to have the confidence in him to be like, okay, I'm confident Josh can get us at least one. Yeah, yeah, and I think it makes him an even deadlier compliment to Jesse, the fact that Jesse's someone who we like to run a lot of our offense through, and we don't have to play call any plays for Josh. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't, you know, leave our big man offensive schemes too predictable or too crowded. And one thing that's making Josh a little bit more dangerous is his willingness to step outside and confidently mm-hmm. take that mid range jump shot he's been working on. He hit a nice mid ranger by the uh, by the elbow against Providence. And to start off the second half, he had a nice yeah. three-point shot that, that he just turned really right into. Good. Yeah, And that just gives you a little bit of a glimpse into what this kid could do next year. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's already averaging 10 points a game without any plays being called for him. He could probably push it to 16 next year mm-hmm. without Jesse. Um, I mean, obviously, O'Mara will come in and take most of those shots. But, yeah, I would love to see Ewing 
start to get him a little more involved on the offense because it seems that the more it seems like Josh has to be someone to call his own number a lot by flying in for a board or something like that and Ewing's not ever going to really look to get him going and rely on him to do that himself I would like to see once just give him a couple chances to post someone up or run a pick and pop with him just to I, we will get to that up. once we get to the Butler game yeah okay I got a couple of uh, comments I want to make on plays run for Josh LeBlanc. Okay. Towards the end, but who else impressed you? Oh, 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 I know where you're going with that. Oh yes, I know yeah. you do. Yeah. Uh, you want to know who I've been very impressed with as of late? One Caleb Johnson. I've been. He's the Bruiser man. Yeah, yeah, baby. He's he's uh, bringing Saxa back. Uh, he's been so solid off the bench for us against Providence again. He's four of four, nine points. Four rebounds in just 12 minutes. And was the recipient of a very, very nice no-look pass from Mac. I feel like they're all no-look passes with him. <laughs> I don't think Mac can throw a regular pass. Yeah. <laughs> He's just got He's that... He's better at no-looks. <laughs> he just loves those sexy-looking, I'm going to drop a dime on you, and I'm going to make it as... Gorgeous, as sexy, as highlight real material as humiliating as possible. As yeah. possible. Yeah. It's just the way Mac plays. Yeah. But regardless, I was very impressed with Caleb's ability to come in off the bench and, and steady things again. I mean, he, he made a lot of tough buckets around the rim, especially late in shot clock situations. And he's definitely been the most consistent contributor from our bench mob in Iggy's play. I completely agree with that. Which I don't think either of us saw coming. No. And I think it, I mean, it could have been predictable, but it's just the way that Caleb didn't get minutes early on, especially in non-conference. And I think that was by design. So people tend to forget that Caleb was hurt going into this season. Mm -hmm. And Ewing probably just figured it's a good opportunity to play some of our newer guys, get their feet wet, and work to establish some rhythm and have the confidence that come crutch time, come Biggie's play, Mm -hmm. Caleb's leadership and experience will shine through and on the bench, and he'll be our leader coming off the bench to help stabilize things, help go get gritty buckets, and make the tough plays that most people aren't capable of. And we see that game in, game out. In Butler, he made a bunch of big plays and helped spark our comeback in the second half. Mm -hmm. And in this game, I mean, for a guy to come in, 12 minutes, score 9 points, grab 4 rebounds, 3 of them offensive, and shoot 100% from the field, what more could you possibly want? Out of a player like I mean, that. Maybe not three turnovers, but hey, you take you take the bad with the good, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know how, for how little Caleb is allowed to dribble, I don't even know how he gets three turnovers, but <laughs> <laughs> that's another story. Uh, maybe watch some more film on it. But yeah, I, I think we needed him too. I mean, we'll get to the Butler game eventually, but like you said, it, with Providence, it was like we were keeping him at arm's length pretty much the whole second half, which worried me. Because I know with these, you know, heart attack Hoyas that we're one or two bad plays away from letting them back in the game and losing all of the cushion that we built ourselves, right? Yeah. And one thing I've noticed is that Caleb is the only member of the bench that Ewing won't take out right away if he makes a mistake. With Greg, I think there was a point in the Providence game with about seven minutes left or so, they had... They cut it to 10, and then we had a turnover, they hit a 3, and then like another turnover, and they had a layup. And I think the whole bench came out except for Caleb. Mm-hmm. And we ended up, you know, stemming the tie and going on to get the win. But I think that speaks volumes to the trust that Ewing has in him. 
it's interesting because Caleb isn't the type of guy who's going to come in and wow you. He's not a sixth man, but he's gritty. And the funniest thing about Caleb is, I was explaining this to my friend, and she broadcasted with me, and she knows Caleb personally, and she always likes to say he's the nicest guy, and I was just like, well, he's the enforcer of the team. <laughs> and it's funny how that kind of works, how nice of a person Caleb can be, yet how he is the physical presence that's going to come yeah. in and bang down low and be fearless mm-hmm. and tough and a leader, someone that Josh can look up to and model mm. his play after down low. Yeah. Um, king of a lefty jump hook. Dude, and he expand, He made a righty jump hook against Butler. Oh. Little and one. Okay, okay. In the second half, what I was that? going nuts over <laughs> in the broadcast. Which says seniors can't expand their game. Exactly. But um, another player I want to talk about is someone named Matthew McClung. Matthew, who's that? I don't know. Word on the street is he likes to go by Mac. Okay. Um, but in his... It's a, weird, it's a weird nickname. I don't think it'll stick. I don't think so either. Um... I mean, it'll start, it won't stick as much as his hair did, but... Wait, is that too soon? Yeah, we don't make those jokes anymore. Oh! <laughs> oh, the rough, John. But, uh... Send our thoughts and prayers to the McClung family. R.I.P. But when you look at his stat sheet, the points don't jump out. He only scored 13 points on 5 of 12 from the field, 1 of 4 from deep. But everything else does. When you look at his rebounds, he had six rebounds, which is fantastic for a six foot two, which is being generous guard. Two of those were offensive. That shows me right there that Ewing is emphasizing to his guards that it is important to dive down low, especially in long rebounds. Like, you know, when you shoot a a three-point shot, rebounds tend to be a little bit harder to predict. So the guards need to be more active in chasing down those shots. And I think you're seeing from Mack and even from James as well, a bigger emphasis on crashing the glass. Five assists, we're seeing Mack's ability, especially in transition, to find open teammates, his vision and his decision-making enhancing game by game. Two steals, that's an improvement. Mack is still the weak link defensively out of the starting five which makes it more difficult for Ewing to play him for long periods of stretches. I'll get into that a little bit more in the Butler game, but it was nice to see him create some opportunities with his quick hands. And so that was improving, but overall, I think this was one of his best games as an overall player, both defensively and offensively in the season. Oh, I agree with you 100%. Uh, One of the biggest criticisms of Mac's game, I would say, is... The fact that people say he's such a scorer that when his shot isn't falling, how else is he going to contribute? And, you know, I think defensively he still has a ways to go. You know, the effort is there, which is really all you can ask for, at least on defense, I would say. And I'm trying to pull something up here, but I do agree with you. Yeah, look at this. Um, His career highs for rebounds, assists, and steals were all in that Providence Mm -hmm. game. Um, you know, very timely given that he didn't shoot the ball great, although he did have some timely jumpers uh, late in the second half. That three-point shot was colossal. Yeah. That was the dagger that was eventually put them away. Well, I think his pass was the dagger that put him up 11. Yeah. But the, the three-point shot was big because that was off a loose ball, too. That could have been a turnover. It was. The difference was between that shot and his previous misses. He had a split second to stink and then take one dribble and step yeah. in, which helped him, you know, garner his form and enhance the accuracy of the shot. 
Because when you're a younger player and you're still adjusting, there are going to be games when you're going to be more efficient and you're going to be off. And this was a game where when he had time to set himself, it was smart. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, we still see some of his bad habits. I know watching the highlights, there was one play where he tried to take on three defenders and got swatted, which, again, you have to take given his mentality and his attitude. But I think Max' progress as a secondary playmaker, especially in transition, has been such a welcome sight. Even if you check out his last five games, if you include the Butler game, he's gone five assists, five assists, three assists, five assists, two assists. Which, I mean, he's up to 2.3 on the season now, which I think for how little he honestly has the ball in his hands is a very solid number. Um, his assist-to-turnover ratio is like one and a half to one, which really isn't that bad. Okay. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Um, I definitely think this was an encouraging game for him, and it definitely continued in some ways into Butler. Yeah. But let's just say that this was this was a big game for a certain player, and that certain player's name was Jamarco Pickett. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to confidence on the offensive end. Jamarco took six shots, four of them being from three-point range, oh. and he hit all of them. Yeah. From three. And Jamarco's a very big reason why we won this game. And this game was close because Jamarco came out firing in the first half and he played well, but he picked up two quick bats. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he came out, that's when Alpha Diallo on Providence decided to go off. We had we didn't have a single player who could guard him. Ewing tried to put Jagan Mosley on him, but Jagan's too small to guard Diallo. Mm-hmm. Diallo's got about four inches on him. Yeah, I was gonna say like six, seven. Yeah, so Diallo was getting pretty much everything he wanted when Jamarco wasn't on him. And as soon as Jamarco came back in in the second half, Diallo was held scoreless for a large majority of the second half up until about five minutes left. I think the only points he had up until that point was a three-point shot off of Jamarco, leaving Diallo at the top of the key to help on a drive. That was the only time he could get free and get a good look. So it really shows you how important Jamarco has become as a two-way player and now as a legitimate scoring threat. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you include the Butler game, he's got three double-digit performances in a row. So, And he, he did in the post-game presser talk about the increased confidence he has in his shot now. So it's, it's amazing to see the... Uh, the direction he's heading in. Not only that, but when you look at the field goal percentage, at Villanova, he only played 29 minutes, but he shot 3 of 6 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3. At Providence, he only played 22 minutes due to foul limitations. He was 4 of 6, which is 67, 66.7%. was perfect from 3. And against Butler this past weekend, he played 29 minutes. He was 7 of 11 which is 63.6%, and was 50% from three. Yeah. So he's not just scoring, but he's scoring at an efficient rate, which is huge for this Georgetown team. I, against Butler, he was the best player on the floor for us. Oh, yeah. And he's oh, yeah. not even close. Oh, yeah. Um, before we get to Butler, one thing I do want to touch on is the, the stinker of a shooting performance put on by James. For those of you that don't know, he was one of 11 from the field, and even though he... Had a sparkling eight assists and only one turnover, uh, and shot eight of ten from the line. That field goal numbers really sticks out to me like a sore thumb, especially considering that the rest of the team shot pretty well. 
Yeah, they what did. Do you, what, do you, what do you think went wrong there for him? One thing that's problematic with James, I think, is his jump shot. A lot of times when he shoots from the outside, which, which is really how James prefers to play, James is at his most dangerous when he can come right off a screen, step into a mid-range shot, and put it in. You saw that against Villanova, and we saw that against Xavier in the second half. When James's outside shot is falling, he's going to tear you apart. But the problem is, is that a lot of times when James shoots, the ball looks flat. Yeah. He had a good look from three against Butler. He stepped into it in the first half on the right wing, and it was just a duck. It looked like Peyton Manning throwing the ball in his last career <laughs> at the Broncos. But yeah, and you can see that. I, I think it's a very good picture. Yeah. But James <laughs> is just... some Tom Brady shit. <laughs> in this most recent season. The Cliff game, baby. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, for Georgetown to be successful, Carter, they can't have James shooting... Point, like he, You can't have him shooting 9.1% from the field or 0%. You just can't have it. You yeah. need your point guard to either be scoring or shooting less than five shots a game. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. James has become such a good game manager now that I almost don't want to see him shoot so much just for the sake of shooting. Like, you know, I think he's having a little bit of a revelation too about how he can best help the team um, and realizing it's more of a don't turn the ball over, set people up kind of role. Um but it's still annoying to see him shoot so much despite nothing working. And he, he's not someone who will ever be able to get easy shots. No. You know, like Mac can or even Jesse can. James won't be able to just rise over people and shoot or get by people and drive. Like a lot of his looks are after he gets a ball screen, like usually a high screen, misses the guy on the roll, which annoys me so much, and then just like does some hocus pocus dribbling and shoots a brick. Like I, mm-hmm. that's such bad basketball, and uh, it just it's annoying. It's frustrating because we all hoped that he would consistently have turned a corner after that second half of the Xavier game and the Villanova game, where he was really the only one who had sustained success on the yeah. offensive end. So it was frustrating to see him kind of revert back to his inefficient shooting ways of the past because they really hurt us in this game and they killed us against Butler. Yeah, I mean, us winning without him uh, playing well against Providence was more of a, I'd say more of a byproduct of just the collective team effort and our defense on Providence. I mean, they shot 37% from the field and 18% from three. Yeah, I mean, was that, we gotta, I want to ask, I wanted to ask you about that though. Do you think that was our defense or a byproduct of Providence just not having a good offensive team? Because Providence isn't known for their offense. They're known for making the game ugly, forcing it into a physical defensive battle, and riding the hot shooting of Diallo and hopefully A.J. Reeves in the future. I hope he, I hope he finds his form again because he was looking, honestly, like the best freshman in non-conference until he hurt his leg. Huh. But do you think it was more of our defense playing well, or was it just a product of... Providence just not being a good offensive team? I don't know. I think it's definitely a little bit of both because the eye test tells me that our defense wasn't great. But part of it's also, I mean, you can't play that badly in offense. Even if you compare 
their performance to us in their other game, mm-hmm. right, in the first game. But by the way, just for the record, I did say that we beat Providence twice in our preseason, so. That's cute. I'll take the credit there. <laughs> hey, well, you said Butler, so you're, you're in no position to judge. I still maintain that we should have won that game. And I will maintain <laughs> I, I, that until the day I die. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do, too. Don't worry. Um, but like I was saying before, in, in the game against uh, Providence, as I try to pull it up now, the, you know, obviously double overtime is going to inflate the stats. Yeah. But even if you look at shooting numbers, they shot 42%. Thirty-three percent from three, which still aren't great numbers, but this was clearly a subpar performance for them, and I have to think that some of it is related to our defense. Okay. I mean, even if you look at Alpha Diallo, like eight for eighteen, it's not great. That's what we and call him shooter. The JP effect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got we got to start. We got to come up with a nickname for Jamarco, right? Because he's so long. See, I mean, the, the natural one is like, oh, you know, he's the Swiss Army knife, but that's not creative. That's not a nickname, dude. That's just a. That's like what we call him. It's got to be, I don't know. We'll brainstorm. We'll think about it. Yeah, yeah. Feel free to reach out, uh, all the listeners out there, if you have anything you think of. But that'll be fun. I'm thinking, I don't know, something Slenderman-y, right? It's got to yeah. be. It's got to be the frame, right? Yeah, of course. Maybe KD doesn't like being called the Slim Reaper. Maybe we can call <laughs> the Slim Reaper. That's actually awesome. Yeah, I know. KD's a bitch for now. But Dude, Katie's the snake. Don't even, don't even try it. I remember <laughs> it was after Game Three of the Finals, Bleacher Report. Oh, was this uh, what? Which year? No, this past year. Oh, when he hit the shot. Yeah, like over LeBron and on Facebook and on uh, Instagram, they photoshopped a picture of Durant on a cobra, and it was like the snake strikes Cleveland. Did I lost it? Yeah, it's it's got to be such a nice marketing ploy for them. Oh, like at yeah. this point, just rolling with it. Mm-hmm. And he's probably not mad about the royalties he gets. Uh, anyway, another point. Yeah, I, I think our defense was solid. I mean, at least it wasn't bad enough for us to lose. That's exactly. kind of my bar at this point, right? Like, Just do enough. If we lose a game because we don't shoot well instead of just getting torched on defense, like mm-hmm. that's a little more acceptable to me. Yeah. Okay, but with that, want to roll into Butler? Mm-hmm. Okay. What did you, you see there? Okay, I'm a little upset about this performance for okay. a couple of reasons. Okay, okay, he's getting on his announcer voice. One, this is, okay, so for those of you that don't know, it was Senior Parents Weekend, so naturally a big thing to do is go to the basketball game, right? Yeah, everybody's and, 21, they can get some tall boys. Yeah, exactly, get a couple of tall boys, enjoy yourself. It was the gray out. Mm-hmm. They had fantastic shirts this year. Yeah, it had the list of all of mm-hmm. the, uh, the NBA players. The funny thing is, they actually they actually kind of took that idea from Barstool Sports. Huh. Yeah, I'll show it to you after the broadcast. Okay. The Red Sox guy came up with the idea first, and it was a oh, huge marketing okay. success. And Georgetown was correct in employing this, cause, because this was the best shirt they've had for their gray out in years. Mm-hmm. In the four years I've been there, it, people were excited. I specifically got there early to take a shirt. Wow. Um, and usually people are like, ah, oh, you know, it's free shirts. But everyone wanted one of these. So it was a great job by the Georgetown marketing team. But they came out flat on defense. Georgetown came out flat on defense. I wrote in my preview of this game, the only way the Butler was going to beat us was if we failed to guard the three-point line. And what happened to start the game? They torched us from three. 
absolutely torched us. Paulie Jorgensen, who is also affectionately known as White Jesus in New Jersey, just we couldn't guard him in the first half. We couldn't guard him. He's not that good either. He's not good. He's really. Oh, I, I it's it was infuriating. No, it's always it's always a white dude. Yep, it's always a white dude. So that was frustrating. And then for us to come out in the second half and get punched in the jaw again and go down by double digits. And I will give credit where credit is due. Do you remember the lineup that got us back to six to five points after we were down by 10 and 11? No, no, I didn't really catch much of the game, to be honest. Wow, fake fan. All right, I see. I had a brunch. I had a brunch. What are you going to do? Say no to brunch? Say no to free food? Uh, yes. You say, I got a date with Georgetown basketball from <laughs> okay. noon to two. <laughs> okay. All right, might as well just be. Telling my roommate's mom that I enjoy pain. Yes, you should. <laughs> you should. Okay. okay. So, okay. Wait, enlighten me. The lineup. Point guard, Jagan Mosley. Okay. Shooting guard, Javon Blair. Small forward, Jamarco Pickett. Power forward, Caleb Johnson. Center, can you off. fill it in? Fill in the blank. Goddamn right. (laughs) (laughs) I remember being on the broadcast telling uh, my friend Katie, who was uh, color commentating with me, I can't believe we're rolling with this lineup right now. I was like, we have no playmakers on the floor. This is going to be a disaster. And But the thing is, defensively, they locked in, and after Trey missed a layup, Trey actually had a nice play down the court, got fouled on a fast break opportunity, and we were down six, and it was about, I think, I believe it was the under eight timeout or the under 12. Naturally, Trey came out and missed both of his free throws uh-huh. after the uh, after the timeout. But yeah. this was the lineup that got the crowd back into the game and got us more engaged. Yeah, man. And one thing that I was a little bit upset about was that Javon was in the game over Mac, considering right before that, Mac was on a little bit of a tear, scoring on every single possession. Yeah. But was that where he had like the corner three and then the lefty? Drive? Yes, yes. So the reason he was taken out was he was really, and you and I have been noticing this a lot. He was struggling on defense, fighting through screens. Yeah. So Pauly Jorgensen was the guy he was guarding, and Jorgensen wasn't incredible in the second half. Mac and the rest of the team did a solid job of limiting him, but he went on a little bit of a stretch where he would start on the baseline and curl up and over, catch the ball at the top of the key, and Mac would get set and caught on a down screen, yeah. and Jorgens would get a step and just get a good look because he's yeah. quicker. And Mac was just he was just getting caught up in the screens, and that was what forced Ewing to put him on the bench. Yeah. I mean, Javon still, if you think about it, he's got an inch about five pounds on Mac, and I just more... And at the moment, he's a better on-board defender. Yeah, more awareness, I guess. More experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the word is. More instincts. Um, and Javon doesn't do anything not, but shoot threes on the yeah. offensive end, but he did get one real good look, and it was halfway down, and it just popped oh, right dude, that's, back that's like his special now. Oh, he... He's so good at rimming out threes. Oh, it is ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. I think it's because he kind of shoots like a knuckleball. You know, there's no yeah. spin on it. So if it hits the rim at, like, the wrong angle by even the slightest amount, 
it's got to be just so dead on to go in. But the thing is, dude, as a Georgetown fan, you get excited when Javon goes in. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's a three-point specialist. You know, every like team's, a shot, every team's got a guy off the bench where that you get put in, you're like, all right, he's our guy from he's beyond the, gunner. the arc. He's the gunner. And whenever he pulls up, you're like, oh, baby, come on, baby, come on, baby. And it goes in and out, and you're like, oh, of course. How yeah. did I not see yeah. this coming? <laughs> yeah. Um, but what did you see? That's game. Uh, Oh, the, you know, of the game that you watched, I just Carter. Saw every, oh, wow, okay. Drive the stake further into my heart. <laughs> you know, you're probably lucky you didn't watch it. Yeah, I know. I, I, I was, I can't even tell you how upset I was. I watched the last like, three minutes and got so frustrated. I saw just a very, like you said, a very flat effort where we let the game happen to us rather than try to control it. I think that's evident a lot. It, you know, for us, it starts with our best players. And Mac didn't really have a great shooting day. I think he was a little amped up because his high school teammates were there to see him. So he, he pressed a little bit at times, but I won't you know shit on him too much. He did have a really good game. Uh, One of the few players that came with ball. Yeah, but you know if you think of it like along with your market, but you look at James again, O of six, Jesse two of eight. I'll get like, to Jesse in a second. Like firstly, what are you doing only taking eight shots, and then also you know what are you doing? Only making two of them. You know, uh, that was frustrating. And despite Caleb's, again, really solid play off the bench, uh, we just, we didn't really have a, I don't even know what it is. Because I want to say that we didn't really have two solid contributors on offense, but we did. It's just, we just played poorly. Right? I don't really think I can pinpoint it. I think it's honestly a pretty team-wide effort. I don't know if I can blame the loss on one person. I'm going to say it was, one, coming out flat, and two, lack of execution down the stretch. We yeah. had opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where I was going with the Josh LeBlanc thing. Yeah, Josh had two humongous opportunities to put us ahead in this game down the stretch. The first being, I believe it was either, we were either down two or we were down one. I think the first one we were down one. So it was a little bit of a screen and roll, and Josh was wide open. And if he had just laid it in, it would have taken less time, but Josh wanted. He wanted it all, man. And you know what? Who can blame him? Young kid, he was excited. He went up for a right-handed slam. Oh, yeah, that was when we were down, too. Yeah. And Jordan Tucker blocked the absolute shit out of it. <laughs> I mean, it was an, it was one of those blocks where if you're Jordan Tucker, you frame that baby and put it over your bed. That's his Roy Hibbert block. Yeah. And, and then he just came down and fucking clocked Nate Fowler mm-hmm. off the rebound. It's like you missed the shot and you foul him and he gets free throws. Uh, that was uh, That was a tough sequence for sure. And then the next play, Josh was wide open. He cut on the right wing and Jesse had it. A little bit towards the left on the top of the key, uh-huh. and saw him and threw the uh, most perfect pass. But the thing is, Josh's inexperience really showed through on this play. Rather than just cutting and popping on the block uh-huh. where he could have caught it and just laid it up and in, Josh continued his momentum down the baseline, and the ball sailed right behind him. And you could see Jesse uh-huh. after the play going, "Why didn't you stop? Yeah, if you stop, you have a dunk or a layup." And you kept going. He didn't expect to get the ball there, I bet. No, he was, he was, he was, he was as wide open 
It was a huge well, defensive maybe, breakdown. Maybe he was just running a set of screen for a Mac or something and just didn't expect <clears> to get the ball. It happens sometimes. Even in my IM games, like I'll try to throw a pass to someone on like the few occasions I do pass, and they just have their head down, and I'm like, why are you running? Like, what are you doing? They're like, oh, I didn't think I'd get the ball. I'm like, well, that's... Huh? See, folks, for those, those of you that don't know... Carter's teammates call him Carter J.R. Smith. <laughs> He's never seen a shot he doesn't Fuck like. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm a better teammate than that. <laughs> but yes, that was that was problematic because if Josh makes that layup, or at least goes up for the layup, you know, he probably gets fouled. Yeah. And gets it up quicker. Yeah, potentially gets an and one. Yeah. And if he pops on the block rather than continues to go, I mean, that's just four points right there. They're all left the right on the table. Well. Pops on the block. Pops on the block. In pops the on the block. Pop it like LeBlanc. Pop it like LeBlanc. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that Late game execution. For sure. and give that, it to, you got to give it to Kamar Baldwin. He missed that first free throw. To continue to give us a little bit of hope, and then he iced it with four straight makes. Yeah, yeah Mac missed two layups there. Uh, oh, the missed layup! <laughs> oh, it was a great move. It was too. such a great move. He tried to put he put too much on it. Yes, he did. You could see right after the play, he put his head in his hands, and he Yo, knew. Fuck me. Yeah. I always expect. I remember on the broadcast, my partner asked me. She said, "Who would you get it to?" I said, "You try to get." Jamarco a step in three and try to win the game right there. So I didn't think we were going to make a layup or get penetration to do that. And Mac just had a great move. He just couldn't finish it off. It was tough. But I think the biggest issue that I had with our offensive performance is what in the name of God is happening to Jesse Govan? It's weird. I, I don't know what to tell you. What is happening? Where is that Dominance. I mean, look at the Butler roster. Jesse was going up against Joey Brunk <laughs> and Nate Fowler and was completely shut down and out of it. He made two field goals, only took eight shots. Your star center needs to be taking more than eight shots on a favorable matchup such as that. Yeah. I, I really, I hate the excuse too of like, Everyone was saying this in the press or two, which I think was just to be good teammates. They're like, we didn't do a good enough you know, job of getting the ball to Jesse, which I know you've said is a concern in the past, but this game was on him in my opinion. That's starting to run out. For it me. is. I, this game in particular, there was a couple of plays where the passes weren't there, but right now you're seeing that Jesse, especially against bigger opponents, is struggling to establish good position down low. You're seeing when he does get the ball, he's getting it further and further yep. away from where he can do damage inside. Yep. He can give credit where credit is due. Aiden Curran noted this in a tweet. He said, Jesse you get, would score... You're giving credit to Aiden Curran? Yeah, no, he had a good tweet about this. I give credit where credit is due. Man, the sky must be falling. I mean, I'm low-key. Wrong Aiden Curran right there, but... I'll find him, I'll find him. <laughs> um... The, the wild part is that if Jesse could just consistently maintain position down low, he could score so much easier. But right now you're seeing that defenders are doing a better job of playing him with a higher level of physicality and intensity, and it's getting to him right now. 
Yeah. Because Jesse's, for as strong as he is, he is a finesse player at best. When he's at his best, he is working through his through his skill set and through his touch on the outside. And right now, the touch just isn't there. It's yeah. not. Yeah, I. It's really showing the uh, lack of, or just how poorly Jesse responds to physicality, right? And I think that's been a gripe, a fair gripe that we've had with him, just as being a finesse big, you could say. But when he goes up against these bruisers, even if they're not skilled, if they're big enough to rattle him, he turns into a jump shooter. Mm-hmm. Turns into a guy who could just shoot threes. This is the same complaint. I know this is also partially because I'm salty. It's the same complaint that I have with Kristaps Porzingis. If you put a guy that you know rough, roughs and tumbles with him, just mid-range jumpers, three-point jumpers, and I'm like, it just annoys me because as good as shooters as they are, it's almost like they're just not... They're not trying to get easy buckets. No. Like, no matter how good of a shooter you are, a three-point jump shot is not an easy bucket. Maybe if you're Steph Curry. This is where us not having Marcus Derrickson is really, really hurting us. Because Jesse's dealing with a lot of physical double teams, and he's playing against the most physical player. And someone like Marcus, as great as Josh has been this season... He's not at the level where teams respect his offensive repertoire enough to put a physical guy on him. And Marcus was a bulldog, man. He was strong. Mm-hmm. He was fearless. And the inside-out game was fantastic. So it was. it's frustrating to see right now. Um, and I'm sorry. I hate to say it. This team cannot win these games without Jesse putting up at least 15 to 17 points. Yeah, I agree. If he... The best teams, even if they're not as big, they're physical, right? So, you know, this isn't just the big that Jesse guards Jesse either. It's, you know, the scrappy guard that gets switched onto him. If he can bump him a couple times. Like, that adds up over 30-plus minutes. Yeah. And Jesse clearly doesn't respond well to it. So I, it's just discouraging. It's just a, it's just a flaw, right? I mean, his conditioning's gotten better since he's been here, but Jesse's still not a bruiser. I don't, I don't think he'll ever be a bruiser. I don't so think so either. It's a, it's a big, it's a big weakness, I guess, in his game. But I don't know. Yeah, and you can see Aiden's tweet right there. If Jesse could just establish deeper post position, he would score so much more easily. It's true, and when he does establish deep position, he's automatic. But yeah, but that right hook, and he's not—he's not even agile enough to do a post fade or anything, right? He can only do hook shots. And that was something Marcus was good at. Yeah. But let's get on to a little. Let's let's go on to a positive from the game. I want to be positive tonight, All right. because for as bad of a loss as that is, we are still technically in third place. <laughs> but if there's one player that you can look at from this game and be. You know, thank the damn Lord. It's about fucking time. Yeah. It's Jamarco Pickett. 7 of 11, 3 of 6 from deep, 5 rebounds, an assist, a steal, only 2 turnovers, and 18 points. And he had a nasty move on Jordan Tucker at the top of the key late in that game. step back? So he brought the ball. He was on the left wing, brought it in, and crossed up Tucker, put him on his butt, and buried the step-back jumper. Mm-hmm. And if there's one person who, 
you just got to be happy to see have a game like that. It is Jamarco Pickett because it it's just I I want to say he's next factor for a team, but with Jesse and James being so unpredictable. Jamarco's basically has to put up ten or more points a game for us to continue to be competitive. Yeah, especially against these more physical teams. Mm-hmm. It was very encouraging to see him play so well and still playing overall games. The last steal, five rebounds. Uh, I think Jamarco's at, at his best when he isn't just a shooter. Exactly. Yes, and you can see that confidence where he's not a great dribbler. No one's ever going to say that he will be, but he's using his size and his length more to create opportunities mid-range. And even though that may not necessarily be, you know, where he's at his best, you know, he's a great three-point shooter. But when teams, um, when he can create opportunities inside the arc, it makes teams respect his dribbling ability and gives him more space on the outside and vice versa. It's just common sense. When he hits threes early on, they force... Opponents are forced to crowd him at the line, and that gives him opportunities to take it off the dribble. And yeah. we're seeing like, the confident Jamarco Pickett. If we could just get Jesse Govan back to normal. I know. It's like we all can't play well at once. <laughs> you know, I'm telling it's myself so I'm telling myself we're saving it for a big moment. And I'm hoping that moment's the Big East tournament where we have just all five of our starters on the same page in one of these games, and I'm hoping it's against Marquette or Nova in semifinals or in the quarterfinals. we got to get to the semis first, bro. Hey, 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 I'm being optimistic. I think we win our first round matchup. but Probably, but yeah, it was just a frustrating game overall. And for you, there was at one point where we were down by two and the student section, I mean, give credit where credit was due, they were fantastic. When they were waiting and they wanted everything, they were waiting to explode all game, and when we finally got it to two, they were jumping up and down, and Ewing, even on the sideline, was raising his arms, egging the crowd on. Everyone was going nuts, and they got to stop. It was just frustrating, brutal. Everything about this defied how we were expecting this game to go, considering the progress we had been making. Yeah. And that's, what, that's the part that kills me. Oh, I agree. It's... You know, there's a lack of, I don't want to say balance, but it's just a lack of consistent balance. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like we're continually at one end of a seesaw mm-hmm. in terms of where we get our contributions from. Because I, as good as Jesse is, I don't even think we can book him in as an every game contributor. And that's the wild part. That's earlier the craziest in the season, thing. Earlier in the season... Fans, including myself, were taking Jesse's greatness for granted. And he's really showing that even college basketball stars, as great as they can be, a good defensive game plan and a smart opposing head coach can find that one fatal flaw. And until you solve that, opposing teams are going to copy you. Basketball is a copycat game. If one thing works in shutting down a star player, opposing teams are going to try to copy you. That strategy, yeah. and until that player can solve that aspect of the game, if you can't adapt, we'll see you later. Yeah, I mean, let's be real too. It's a, it's a clear, it's a flaw in Jesse's game. Mm-hmm. It's not some brilliant coaching strategy. No, he's yeah. always he's always struggled with physical guys. And yeah, that hasn't changed. And, and until I, he can adapt be. and show that he can handle physical guys, I mean, Georgetown's ceiling will be a little bit lower. Yeah. 
It's a tough thing. That's why I'm honestly so excited for Omer next year. Because he's a fucking tank. The Turkish terror, baby. He's He's got two inches, 20 pounds on Jesse. Definitely more than 20 pounds of muscle, I should say. And Just standing next to the guy. He's yeah. like, He's a monster, bro. And you know, he, he like grew his hair out now and his beard. Like he's looking kind of terrifying. Yeah, he's gonna be our monster, and I think he's our best player next year. I don't know about that. Really? I think he's our best defensive player. But who do you think is our best player next year? Depends on the development of the players. Oh, I don't want to cop out. Hot take. Yeah. You want yeah. a hot take? Uh well, can we do it without the music? You know, I don't have the music queued up right now, so I <laughs> go straight in the Seton Hall, but I will give you my hot take for this. Yeah. Our best player next year is Jamarco Pickett. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, dude, I'm ready to fucking eat my words. I'm ready to eat my words. And you know, I love this kid, I love his attitude. And I'm just saying, after this game, if he could make this consistent, which I think he can, I mean, tell me what the ceiling could be for this kid. He's long, he's athletic, and if he could just establish a more consistent inside game, tell me this kid doesn't have the potential to average 20 points a game. Yeah, he could be a first-round pick in the draft. He seriously could. I know. I just, man, I think, we'll see. If he gains another 10 or 15 pounds, I'll have... Some serious hope, but until then, and I think I'm going, that I'm going with the guy who's a little more physically ready in Omer. <laughs> it's a safe bet, man. Yeah. Safe bet. I hope. I honestly hope both of them are our top players. Yeah. I hope our starting five is so lethal you can't find a fatal flaw. Yeah, baby. But before that, let's dive into the more pressing matter at the moment, and that's yeah. our game Wednesday. Oh cool. wait, no other pressing matter. What's up? What do you think of headband Matt? No, I hate it. Oh, not a fan. Oh, I'm not a fan. Um, I, I thought it. I thought it was kind of fresh when I first saw it, but it, it hasn't aged well. No, it hasn't. I think he recognizes that too. As you said, he's been wearing a beanie around everywhere. Yeah, we're doing this picture with uh, his high school. It just he loses. He looks a little older. He looks scary as shit, though. I was telling my friend and one of my roommates like he's already got these crazy alpha tats. Imagine if he just shaved his head and started wearing a wife beater all the time. But he's halfway there now. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I miss the hair though. I yeah. never. I hope he grows it back out. I, I think he will. It'll look good. It's you know, it's a clean slate because I mean he had a little bit of a mop on his head before. Let's be real. Hey, um, mops aren't a bad thing. Well, I I was part of the mop gang. Don't worry. Hey, don't I, worry. I was too. Yeah, I'm, I'm you kind of look like him. I'm just saying. He looks like a younger version of you. Yeah, literally, I've actually like noticed that a couple of times. Just he's more he's ripped. A, a lot more ripped, I would say, and a little bit taller. Can jump like. An inch higher. Really? Don't give yourself more credit. I think you might have a couple of... I think you might have an advantage on them, jump-wise. Okay. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> Connor Rowan's jumping kids no, out and of the gym. No, you also didn't hear it here first. <laughs> I'm still trying to grab room. Um, but yeah, I... Ugh, man, you said it was an accident, too. Part of me thinks he just... He wanted to get something really wild, knowing Mac. And then it just... The barber fucked it up, and he was like... Oh, at your hairstyle. <laughs> I have an appointment with them for Friday. Bro, you're a junior. Shouldn't you know better by now? They, I seriously have no complaints. I, they've right. never. You just gotta boss them around, tell them what you want. Be a little. Well, they fucked my hair picky. freshman year, so I go to Diego's. Yeah. And, uh, ah, Diego's. Dude, Diego. you are you are such a good cultural fit there. <laughs> 
Dude, it was so funny because the Italian dude, Diego, dude, barely speaks English. He was cutting my hair, and he gave me this fresh fade. I really liked it. And he was just like, yeah, you go home and you tell mama that the nice Italian man made you look real cute. And I was just dying. <laughs> I was he like, I'm in the most Irish family humanly possible. Yeah, he probably has that sentence memorized, to be honest. Dude, I was just like, bro, you're wild. Yeah. But let's yeah. get into Seton Hall real quick and then call it a night. All right. Okay. Expectations for this game. I'm actually going to this game. I'm going to take a little bit of a road trip up senior year. I'm deciding to send it and get excited. I have seats right behind the Georgetown bench. Oh, shit. Yeah. and Look I'm, at you. Yeah, they were 30 bucks a pop. Wow. Um, and I'm figuring, you know, might as well send it. I think this is going to be a really tight, competitive game. And the blueprint for beating Seton Hall is very obvious. Actually executing that game plan is something else. Yeah. Stopping Miles Powell. Simple, right? Yeah. Doesn't mean it's easy. Exactly. See, here is why I think we beat them. James Kinjan. If James stays out of foul trouble, I think James is going to have some nice success, and I think James is quick enough to stick with him, to force him into a sub-45% shooting night. I think if we could keep him below 45 44%, I think there's a really good chance we come out with a win. Cause, uh, it's so weird, Carter, but we play better on the road. We do. I haven't figured that out yet, but we really do. I, part of it is a fair criticism of Capital and Arena. I don't know how much of a home court advantage it is. It's not a home court advantage. It's not, right? I mean, it's just it's it, we're never going to pack it just because of how big it is to begin with, and also it's off campus, so it is. Oh, there's never going to be enough students there to really make it a difference. My hot take is I really wish they bring the team back to McDonald. So that would be so nice. You might get excited about this. I have insider information from an alumnus that there is works to potentially do that within the next five years. No way. So I don't know how verifiable the information is, but the source is smart and he's pretty in tune with Georgetown news. Or at least talking about it. Yeah, his name's Chris Grillo. Oh, Grillo! Yeah, his brother told me. Oh, wow. He said that there is a potential donor Fellow that may... And Chris, is a very, Chris is a smart guy and he's very in tune with Georgetown because... The Grillos are... You know, yeah, they're, they're huge legacies, right? Yeah, big-time legacies at Georgetown. The dad went, Chris went. Chris, obviously, very successful. Matt's smart guy. So that's what Matt said. I, I haven't heard anything, so it's, apparently it's been, like, under wraps. There's nothing confirmed yet, but just the fact that Chris said that there may or may not be talks about it is a step in the right direction. But the problem with Georgetown is that there's no real real estate available. Yeah. Unless we tear down McDonough and get rid of that bus turnaround and then just make it into a like a sports complex type yeah. thing. And I don't know how viable that really is considering, you know, it's very convenient for transportation. We don't have a metro stop here. Yeah. Which is a problem. That's true. Who's going to come to the games besides students? Exactly. Um, Who would want it? I mean, I don't know. They could stay at the hotel. I, just the student in me, obviously. 
mm-hmm. wants it to be. No, it back. should. Be. I, I never went to that one game we had in McDonough. I had a test um, there, thankfully. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, fucking thank God we didn't go in Arkansas, Arkansas State. fucking state. But yeah, I mean, it's just the fan of me. And, and back to your point about Miles Powell, he's shooting forty five percent from the year, and I, I think if we shoot if he shoots below that, we should uh, we should win. If you if you look, it's kind of funny too. The losses and wins kind of go with him. I mean, if you look at his shooting performances, most of their wins, he's up above, honestly, like 47%. And then, the, and then in the losses, 33, 31, 36, 31, 28, 20. So, what I tell you, I said under I think, 45%. I think that's a pretty good game plan. Yeah, obviously easier said than done. And you think Mac is going to guard him? No. Absolutely not. Yeah, because he would just get... It's got to be James. He'd get destroyed. It's got to be James. All these back screens. It has to be James and Jagan. Yeah, I think Jagan could do a pretty good job on him. My concern with Jagan is that I don't know if he's going to be quick enough. Yeah. I think fair. James is a little bit quicker, and I think James' on-ball defense has improved. It has. It really... He's a much better defender now. He so, was honestly a liability in the beginning. He was, the but, play, but I think he's finally begun to figure out... How to avoid the tic tac he fouls. He yeah. got one called on him late in the game against Kamar Baldwin, but that was a bullshit call. Yeah. Absolute bullshit. He was making some bullshit shots, now. Yeah. That, like, right-handed runner that hit the Baldwin's ball. a fantastic player. I think he's a little overrated, but he really he finished us. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he took advantage of our mistakes and finished uh-huh. us, and you got to give someone respect if they can do yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think we win this, too, but it also wouldn't surprise me if we lose. Because we're not a great momentum team. And I just don't know how well we respond to this, especially in a loss where we weren't outplayed. We almost gave the game away in a sense. No, we, we absolutely and, gave the game away. One, one thing that also that Mac and all of his head hair of glory... Ah, fuck that up. Uh, one thing he talked about in the post game also is the fact that they didn't have any good practices after the... Uh, after the Providence win. Wow. Okay. He was just like, hey, it starts in practice, and we didn't have good practices. See, and my thinking is they recognize that now. Yeah, but after a while, it's like there's a big difference between knowing you got to do something and actually doing it. I know, but I think this team is going to respond well to knowing that they blew their biggest home game of the season, and they were the reason they blew it. They finally got a big game out of Jamarco. Max showed up, and everyone the else... The defense was pretty good. The defense down the stretch. One here, crazy stat. Butler only scored nine points in the final ten minutes. You serious? Yep. Wow, and we still lost. And we still lost. Jeez, that's wild. Isn't, okay. that's, that, it's well, shameful. That, yeah? Damn. Shameful. Okay, well... I think this is obviously a must-win game. You said even Seton Hall is ranked above us, right, in bracketology? Yeah. Seton Hall, so NBC Sports, bracketology, you know, they're, you know, NBC Sports, big, uh, big leaders in the uh, bracketology field, <laughs> Carter. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, it's only one site, but they have Georgetown as the first team in the first four out. And Seton Hall has the last four buys, so they're technically ahead of us as his Butler. So, and Seton Hall is ahead of us in the NET rankings. And Seton Hall has good neutral court wins. Really good neutral court wins. 
So it would be an impressive game if we were able to come in and win from a tournament standpoint. Yeah. But also from a Big East record and rankings standpoint, right now there's a four-way tie for third, I believe, at five and six. Yeah. And it consists of us, St. John's, Seton Hall, and I believe Creighton? Yeah, I think Creighton. Excuse me, Butler. Butler. Butler might actually be a five-team tie, if I'm being entirely honest. <laughs> it's pretty fight. wild. Um, so it's one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Yeah, six teams. <laughs> Lovely. No, excuse me, five. I'm just a moron who can't count. Um, so it's St. John's, Georgetown, Seton Hall, DePaul, What's your major Butler. Yeah, no. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yelling. Counting, guys. Yeah, but I finished my accounting requirements. I'm in marketing. That's all creative uh, instinct. Yeah. But Some left brain. Yeah, so St. John's is playing Butler at home, I believe, tomorrow. I think they'll take care of business then. Yeah. And we play Seton Hall at Seton Hall, obviously. So we need to win to maintain our position. Yeah, we need to. You, you, what's your official prediction? A win. I think okay. so too, but not not comfortable. I think it's going to be a battle. Give it six, us by six. Okay, I think I think us by four. Okay, I think Powell scores yeah. probably about twenty three, but does it in an inefficient manner. Yeah, yeah. I think we see another strong game from Jamarco. I think about sixteen points. Yeah, I, I think Mac gets about. 14. I think James gets I, double digits again, and I think Jesse puts up 19. Yeah, I think Jesse is a bounce-back game, so does James. Uh, and I think my hot take, Mac hits three threes from that side. Well, you know, that would be a very welcome sign. <laughs> what about the Nova game? That's a week later, so hopefully, I mean, we'll have a lot of time to let whatever happens against Seton Hall sit. We'll see. We'll see. I'm going to hold off on a prediction. and Okay. Just to be able to. Are you going to tweet it? I might tweet it. Um, at the Baldwin era. At the Baldwin era, because it is the Baldwin era. Goddamn right it is. But, you know, we might have a fun surprise for you next, uh, this upcoming week. If uh, all things go well at my uh, experience at the Georgetown Seton Hall game, that goes well. We might have a surprise uh, guest coming up. Oh. And our. And our primary surprise guest, our contact has not hit us back up, so i got to send him another email asking if he's made any progress with that. But It's a lesson in persistence. Goddamn right. But, you know, we'll see if I can convince one or two, hopefully both of the two people who I'm meeting up with at the Seton Hall game. If they Former would like, players, we can say that. One is in the NBA, no big deal. But another one follows me on Twitter. I follow him. He's a big Georgetown fan. Um, I think he'll be open to doing yeah, this. Yeah. I think he would be the other one. I'm not entirely certain because he's a busy guy. Maybe over All-Star break. Uh-huh. Um, he might be interested. But I think the first one would give a great interview. Yeah, being entirely I, agree. Honest. I agree. I think he would have very good dialogue with him about the young guards, mm. considering you know he might have some expertise in that area. Uh-huh. But... We'll keep you guys posted. It will be yeah. very, very fun. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to. I honestly, I know very little about this, so hopefully, I just get an encouraging text at some point. It's like we got it, we got him, we yeah, got him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as for Nova, I don't think we win. As <laughs> too much, too much from the last game just went right for us to lose. And short of Mac having 40 or Jesse having 30, I don't think we win. Especially because. 
we're at home. <laughs> and there's no way that Phil Booth plays as poorly as he did again. No way. Yeah, oh, yeah. And that, I mean, we, we'll take it if he does. And you absolutely know Colin Gillespie is going to light us up again. Oh, one million percent, dog. He's, he's, he's like, oh, Georgetown? Let's go. Time to get my career high again. I was actually going to go to that game as a fan just to experience it and soak it in, but someone actually hit me up to broadcast it, and this would be his first experience of it. And oh, I wow. wanted to, I wanted to make sure he got the opportunity. Yeah, totally, dude. i got to get in the booth at some point. We don't have that many more home games. You will enjoy it. I agree. I think you'll enjoy it. When's we'll get you in. It'll either be yeah. Seton Hall or DePaul. Yeah, okay. Well, I got work during the... Let's do the Seton Hall one. Sounds good. Lady. All right, look at that. <laughs> He's already in. My man. My guy. But with that, any concluding remarks? No, I think we're good. We just got to keep hoping for the best and expecting the worst. <laughs> it's called the Georgetown mentality. Yeah, baby. Where Hoy is. Embrace it. Bleed blue and gray. With that being said, stay warm, stay excited, have a wonderful week, and hopefully when we bring this back and run it back, we'll be playing a dub from the Prudential Center in New Jersey, and I'll be driving back Wednesday night a happy man. Not upset that i got to wake up at 9.30 for my (laughs) SRB class on Thursday. (laughs) Oh, I feel you. You have class two days a week. Don't complain. Yeah, no, tomorrow's my big day. We'll get through (laughs) it. All smiles. Yeah. All smiles. All smiles, baby. Positivity. Upside down friends. Goddamn right. And have, uh, just have a great week, Hoya fans. Yep. We'll be back at it. Hoya freaking sex up.